But there's the other side of statistics, which is there are things that are true that you probably don't believe in. Right. right. <laughs> That's the flip side of it. There's the, you know, th- not everything you believe is true. That's one side of statistics. And we'll look at the, the data and say, you know, it's just not a very strong correlation. But the other side of it is what's called the type two error, Hmm. which is things that are real that you're not paying attention to. Story in the news today. You believe in ghosts and the paranormal? Are they are they UFOs or are they like some crazy experimental, you know, governmental I don't uh, know planes that they're building? And police in Española are catching more than just criminals. They're catching images of what they believe are ghosts. There's this weird animal-like creature that was shot, wolf-like creature that just stood out in some odd ways. And welcome to Strange Uncles. I'm Shane. Uh, I'm Josh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You still, man, I, I hope you're still alive on your side. We, we haven't talked for a while, buddy, so. Oh, man. Yeah, you know, been, uh, like uh, Ozzy said in that one song, going through changes, man. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that at all, man. No, it's been it's been crazy. Um, so, listeners, welcome to Strange Uncles. Uh, I will. I want to start off with this just to kind of apologize and then prepare you listeners for maybe other apologies in the future. <laughs> so, I want to start there. <laughs> um, sorry, we, you know, we missed last week. Uh, I, I think I threw out some uh, SU oddities, some old ones that we've been given to our patrons. But I, I turned around and kind of gave that to the, the regular listeners, and we'll do that here and there. But um, most of you may know. I've got a baby on the way. We're coming close. We had kind of a scare with the wife. And so, uh, you know, we had an interview lined up and I told Josh, I'm like, oh, I can't do it. I'm going to the hospital. Um, not saying it's going to be the first time nor the last here for the next few weeks. But uh, so, you know, if we miss something in a cadence, that's why I, I'm using my lame, you know, to be baby for an excuse. But fuck it. That's what I'm going to do. I wouldn't call it lame. I mean, you know, yeah. well, you know, like, not to going to do. Tell your wife, suck it up. Uh, uh, I've right. got an interview yeah. to do. Yeah, my water broke. We are a half halfway through this interview. You just shut up. Yeah, get your I don't shit together. Think that's going to be good for anybody? No, I don't think so. Definitely will not be good for after the baby is born because I will uh, be sleeping in the camper more than likely. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Anyway, so just want to throw that out there. Uh, otherwise, we do try to keep a cadence. So, you know, we, we can kind of go from there. Um, with that being said, uh, again, glad to see you, Josh, man. I know you've kind of been down the loop. Hopefully, uh, everything's going going kind of good on your side, other than just um, bullshit still happening within the, the regular norm, I suppose. Well, you know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing the sun. I never thought I'd say that. But, oh, uh, man. I tell you, it's been a long fucking welcome to Strange Uncle's weather forecast, but it has been a long yeah. winter. It has been a very long winter. I'm I'm done. So bring on something yeah. else other than snow. And knowing the way things go around here, it's going to go from snowing to 95 degrees in like two days. Yeah, I remember those times. I think it's kind of probably be the same here. I don't think we're gonna have much of a much of a change, you know. But uh, if nothing else, you know, I've been I've been nesting on my side for the most part, you know. Like I said, we try to get the house in order and everything else, and then, of course, writing uh, articles and everything for the podcast. Um, 
But anyway, yeah, we're hoping for the best. Uh, we have actually a great one tonight. I'd say you know, our guests aren't good, but uh, man, it, it, fantastic. You know, we can probably talk after the interview. In fact, this may be a two-parter. We don't know. We're going to kind of wing it, I think, on our side and see where we're at. Um, but we had a, a gentleman by the name of Simeon Hines on, um, Dr. Simeon Hines, actually, excuse me. And I don't know, dude, if you have anything to say before the interview, but I'm still kind of like, wow, shit. Uh, I would just say it's a lot. Um, Grab a cup of coffee or your stimulant of choice. And uh, uh, yeah, this is that's a wild one. Hang on, I guess, is the word. Yeah, it definitely is. He threw a lot of stuff at us. Uh, The guy actually, you know, and again, we've had a bunch of guests on, but he really has broken this whole fringe thing down. Man, in a whole nother realm, if you ask me, and and it's a lot to think about, um, a, lo- a lot to talk about. So, you know, hopefully you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. Pretty, pretty fucking phenomenal, honestly, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, so anyway, without further ado, we're going to jump in the interview. Uh, this is an interview with uh, Dr. Simeon Hines. Open the gates. <laughs> Dr. Simeon Hine is a former university professor in statistics and research methods. He came across the idea of remote viewing in 1996, and that was just the tip of the iceberg leading him down the road of fringe sciences, which led him to start his own research and teaching company called the Mount Baldy Institute in Boulder, Colorado. This was initially to give people the training for resonant viewing, but has evolved into studying other aspects of the paranormal field, such as cryptids, crop circles, the fifth dimension, aerial phenomena, and extraterrestrials, just to name a few. Uh, He has also authored a swath of books, including Planetary Intelligence, Black Swan Ghosts, and his latest one, Dark Matter Monsters, Ball Lightning, Cryptids, and Science of Secret Life Forms. We are excited to finally have him on the show. Simeon, welcome to Strange Uncles. Hey guys, thanks. Thanks for having me on tonight. Nice yeah, thanks for thanks for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll be honest with you. I'm I'm really excited on my side just from looking at what you you know what you're involved in. Um, and, and again, we want to promote you know your website mountbaldy.com um, is up and and just a wealth of information, wealth of research on there. And you know we ask this a lot of our guests when we first came, especially the first the first guest we have on is just you know, what, what started you down this road to get into, because, you know, you started doing something completely different. It sounds like, and then kind of went down that other path. What, what did that look like for you? Uh, what it looked like is when I was with my mom in the Everglades in the 1970s, she took me there for bird watching and we saw some really strange object right over us. Uh, we were the only ones out in that swamp at a time. But I, I remember as an 11 or 12-year-old, it, it was pretty big and perfectly round. And I, in my mind, I just could not make sense of what I was looking at. It right. just had a different vibe. Didn't feel like it belonged there. You know, even as a 12-year-old, I just knew something was off about it. And uh, uh, that, that I guess that got me interested in the possibility that things could exist that nobody was telling you about. Right. Um, right. And I, but I did not pursue this. You know, I was just a teenager. I went to you know, I ended up at WSU, PhD in sociology. I taught statistics at WSU just down the road from mm-hmm. you in mm-hmm. Pullman. And uh, nobody ever mentioned this. Uh, I, I never heard the word UFO mentioned ever, except in maybe a disparaging way. 
by a teacher somewhere along the way. So, you know, weird stuff. Taking and all poo pooed all the time. You know, it's like, you know, yeah, you know, yeah. It, it was none of these topics that I do now. I ever had any introduction to never pursued it. Uh, I did study fractal geometry at WSU. That is a different type of math that looks at interdimensional objects, literally interdimensional mm. objects like trees, mountain ranges and rivers that the closer you look, the more detail you see. They never resolve to lines. They're technically mathematically interdimensional. Uh, and so I think studying interdimensional objects, even just ones that are ordinary, leads you to the possibility that there's other types of phenomena that you haven't been told about. And, and a sociologist would not find that surprising, guys. Yeah. Uh, sociologists know that there are things called hidden events, things that people are experiencing that they're not talking about. I know this just from talking to my grandmother, who was a refugee from Nazi Germany, my oh, wow. Swiss grandmother, who, yeah, she lived with, she had married at my German great grandfather and, and talking to her about how those sort of Nazis took over and the, 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 the way you become second class it, Jewish people in Germany at the time. Mm-hmm. But the thing that always stuck with me, I, I know guys, this seems like a stretch, but this is what stuck with me. She said that people that knew about it were like turning their heads on the sidewalk to avoid conversation. Really? Patience of my grandfather. So believe it or not, something even like uh, Nazi Germany and the Holocaust sort of prepared me for the idea that there could be things going on that you are not talking about or you're not being told about. Mm -hmm. It just prepared it. So when I came across the idea of remote viewing in 96 after graduate school, I just was open to the idea there could be scientific discoveries, things that were important that I maybe didn't know about and they really could be real. Mm-hmm. That's how it started. My, my God, I mean, uh, oh, I mean, there's there's a lot to pack there, you know. Especially when you mentioned yeah. Nazi Germany and and history with that. I mean, that that's that's quite a start. Um, quick question: We've asked this a few guests. You talk about uh, you know geometric patterns, things like that, in this math equation. You know, do you, do you equate that at all with ley lines and and those things, or is that something totally different from what what you discuss as far as like energy paths i guess for the that's on the earth right right yeah no i did come across the idea of ley lines when i started getting involved with crop circles and, and if you're wondering gotcha. how that started it came from remote viewing where we were given a, a crop circle target and uh on, not surprisingly in 1996 i didn't know what a crop circle was i i'm just out of graduate school i never heard of crop circle what is that but hmm. i remember in the remote viewing session it was like some very interesting information there and i couldn't make sense of totally what i was doing even after seeing the picture of it It was one of the formations from 1996 the triple julius set on windmill hill Mm -hmm. and i thought what are these things so i i got curious actually i started going to ufo conferences just to you know learn more about these topics partly as an academic and partly just being curious sure you know and uh yeah i i there was someone giving a tour of crop circles in the UK. So we went over there and that people were talking about lines of energy, which I had taken Tai Chi in college and I knew about this idea of feng shui. So the idea of ley lines was not totally foreign to me just from having taken Qigong and and Taoist practices, which talk about lines of energy and, and lines of negative energy, the Sha line. So, so the ley lines for me kind of fit into that, even though I'm not, 
I'm not sure if I've ever seen actual evidence that they're totally real, but I know about the idea of it. They could be. I just haven't personally uh, tried to determine if they're kind of went down that road with those. Yeah. Yeah. There were so many other things going on, remote viewing, crop circles, UFOs, Mm -hmm. ley lines do seem to, I wouldn't be surprised if they exist. I just, uh, I haven't seen the evidence to prove to me that they are, but sure. I mean, I've been wrong before. They could, they could be real. Yeah. No. I, and again, it's just more of a, a question than anything because, you know, sometimes the two go, do can them. Do you, so I'm assuming you still um, do remote viewing. Is that correct? That's still kind of in your wheelhouse as far as, or, or is that just a start of your adventure into what, you know, all these fringe sciences we're talking about? Yeah. Uh, I ended up teaching remote viewing here in Boulder. I mean, I I just thought this is sort of phenomenal that you can take a couple of days with people and show them they have abilities that they didn't know about. Mm-hmm. And it can lead to be- good things. It can lead to other uh, types of topics. And it sort of opens you up to the possibility that maybe society didn't tell you everything that was real. Right. And so just for that purpose alone, I think RV is very useful to show people that there's some other pathway of energy information that you're not conscious of. It's not going through your conscious mind, but somehow you're drawing that picture. Even in that class I took it in 1996, I mean, I was really surprised of the accuracy. And and mm-hmm. and people like Russell Targ and Hal Putoff always said that right. even the skeptics that came to SRI, they would sit them down and say, you do it. And they said some of those skeptics became very good viewers. Yeah. Uh, so it's the type of thing where I was open but skeptical. I mean, you're not, when you're brought up, no one says, oh, you know, you have these amazing psychic abilities if you take a little time to train them. No one ever told you that. <laughs> yeah, that's right? not something you you pursue on an educated basis, no, for sure. You know? not really. Yeah, we yeah. all saw those women in the 80s in that psychic show where they would sit around, the three of them. One of them was Bevy Yeager, so I got to meet later. Oh, cool. Cool, it, yeah. It was an 80s show, and they would be on and doing police cases and stuff. So I was familiar with this. I just, you know, I look, I have an academic background. You sort of need evidence. and. Mm-hmm. Proof. Uh, but I did see it in the class that it worked. I mean, people were getting results that were way beyond. I could tell us as a statistician, way beyond what you would expect if you were just guessing. No way. It's way too accurate. Yeah. And that's interesting. So, you know, I, and I guess, yeah, you put the two in together and, and your old research being a statistician. I mean, that kind of sets you up for remote viewing and some of these other things, how you view, what those ratios look like, you know, negative versus positive. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I never put that two and two together. Huh. Yeah, because we're statisticians. We're looking for statisticians believe that people can be fooled mm-hmm. by evidence right, that right. doesn't show a real effect, but you can be manipulated by shrewd people, politicians. There's that book by I think it's called Daryl Huff, How to Lie with Statistics. That's a book that we would give to undergrads. Yeah. Oh wow. Uh, because you can be deceived by it too. Mm-hmm. But there's the other side of statistics, which is there are things that are true that you probably don't believe in. Right. <laughs> right. That's the flip side of it. There's the, you know, th- not everything you believe is true. That's one side of statistics. And we'll look at the, the the data and say, you know, it's just not a very strong correlation. But the other side of it is what's called the type two error, mm. which is things that are real that you're not paying attention to. That could come back and bite you in the ass. Yeah, yeah. Things like the credit crunch that happened in two thousand seven, eight, or even the yeah. collapse of this SVB bank. I, I was just going to say, ago. yep. 
Yep. There are things that could happen that you probably don't think are going to happen. And the people running these companies and so forth are going to say, oh, that's so improbable. We have a risk manager. I don't think they had a risk manager. But even if they <laughs> did, they're going to say, well, it's a one in a million. And you, any of us as business people, and by the way, I still do teach remote viewing. I have online classes. Sometimes we've done them live. But okay. since COVID, they've been on Zoom. Sure. And people can go to my Mount Baldy page and look for the resident viewing and you know, find out how to take classes with me or do it on your own. But, you know, any of us involved in any real business knows you're always taking decisions based on some sort of sense of risk. And if someone said, well, it's just one out of a million, you'd probably do it because it seems improbable that, the, you know, one out of a million catastrophe. But those things do happen. But there's still that happen. one. That's the thing, right? I yeah. Mean, they they yeah. still happen and they happen more than you would expect. So, hmm. So that's the flip side of it, guys, is – that I believe as a statistician that we're dumbed down and we, we are not in connection with reality anymore. We're, we're what we believe is what we were taught. And that was what was ever convenient for those institutions we were in K through 12 or college or, I mean, those people are just turning the gear, the gears and everyone's taking the path of least effort. It's very rare that you had a teacher. You might've had some, I had some, mm-hmm who kind of broke the mold a little bit and kind of got you challenging the the mainstream ideas. Right. right. And I was on a debate team in high school, so I was used yeah. to dealing with evidence. So was I. And, okay, you too. Yeah, yeah, yeah evidence yeah. and argument. And so when I came across these topics, what I was actually interested in was why is mainstream science so skeptical of these topics, mm-hmm. all of them? If I'm looking at them and I'm reading the, the books and Dean Radin and others who've looked at the statistical analysis and you're saying, well, wait a minute, there's really a correlation here. The, the remote viewer should not have gotten that much accurate information and good, accurate sketches if they were guessing. So there mm-hmm. must be some other uh, line of communication that mainstream science. And believe me, I've read every issue of Science Magazine since one of my doctoral supervisors at WSU said, you know, there's a sociology article in here once in a while. You should get a subscription. <laughs> Check it out. I've had yeah, a subscription yeah. for over 30 years, and they never talk about these topics. So oh. that's what I'm actually skeptical of is mainstream science inability to take anomalous data and try to figure it out rather than dismissing it as outliers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As I was taught in graduate, well, you just throw it away because it's an outlier. Yo, know, COVID was an outlier when there were only 60 people infected in the U.S. <laughs> that first say. week. Yeah. And the mm-hmm. White House had one of their, who was their spokesman come on TV in late January or something and said, we've we got it under control. Larry Kudlow. I, it was I, Larry I, I, Kudlow. I don't even want to talk about it. I, I don't, don't walk us oh, down man. that two years. And they of- said, we got it under control at 60 yeah, people yeah. in Seattle. And they're all quarantined. We got this. Okay. That is an outlier and it became huge and it affected all of our lives. And, but social scientists, like I was taught, you throw out the outliers. Well, let's say the outliers are what you should hmm. be paying attention to. Let's say the outliers are going to kill you. Yeah. Yeah. Let's flip. want to pay attention to them now. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this whole yeah. thing, it, it, the way the modern science model works, it's so based on averages and linear approximations. Again, someone who studied fractal geometry, you know that not everything resolves to a line, mm-hmm. but all of the math says, well, it's got to resolve to a line. We have these linear uh, regression equations, mm-hmm. but that a lot of that turned out to be bullshit because 
the outliers matter and there are things out there that are not linear and they are not easily explainable or they don't fit into the way we think, but that doesn't mean they're not real. Right. Okay. Cause I've talked to so many witnesses now of cryptids, which, and these people are telling me the truth. They saw these things. They were chased by these things. Mm-hmm. They had these encounters and they're hidden events because they don't want to be laughed at by their neighbors and by professionals. Right. They don't even right. report it. And so this is like, you have hidden events and a scientific model that has a big inability to deal with hidden events. So it ends up seeming like a type of censorship. So I know I'm talking a lot here, but uh, no, that's no, no, that's I awesome. got involved in these topics. Yeah, yeah. I, I started going to the conferences and I started listening to UFO witnesses and people who had retired from the government. Mm-hmm. And I said, there is something going on here that's really big. There's something really big going on here that no one is talking about. I don't know exactly why the U.S. is like this. Some people think it's it's from the Cold War when you had this national security state take over. And, you know, they had reasons to keep us from talking or knowing about everything because of the Red Scare panic. But whatever it is, it never went away. So we it's like this. So it's really almost embedded. It's almost like a kind of a weird instinct now that that we developed right in, in our exactly. own exactly yeah Crazy. you know shane that is that's your good way you know what i'm coming from now yeah yeah 100%, i'm looking 100%. at it as a social scientist but as someone that knows that holocausts can happen or other things that are big that mm-hmm. you won't see them coming mm-hmm. because nobody wants to talk about it and nobody who's experienced ufos cryptids ghosts interdimensional entities or you could argue there's something else i'm, I'm not saying i totally understand oh, sure. this but right there is this suppressive factor in the United States that really discourages witnesses from coming forward mm-hmm. with what they've experienced because it's so out of the norm. I mean, yeah. it took the Navy recently to say, we have a new policy. We're not going to discriminate against you if you report your UAP. Sign. Yeah, you're Look not going to lose your title flight status. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like it's outside the Overton window, right? It's like outside of what's considered something that you can discuss in polite society without what's, it being what's weird, the overton right? window That's uh, it's, it's basically like what's acceptable to talk about in quote-unquote like polite society like okay. what won't get a a negative reaction from the general public right yeah um mm-hmm. so uh it's not usually people don't usually use it to talk about ufos and stuff like that it's usually more about like you know uh socio-political stuff but but it works for that too you know well, so so that leads me to the question. Let's back up. Number one, amazing stuff, Simeon. I mean, let's back up a bit. You mentioned, and I think this is more curiosity than anything, just for on my behalf. You mentioned, you know, scientists, they don't want to talk about this. This is not a thing. This is, you know, sweep underneath the carpet, however you want to look at it. Why? I mean, do you think it did? Because it, I mean, the only thing we can, and we've been doing this for a while and researching back and forth. Uh, I would imagine a lot of the mainstream scientists it's going to disprove everything they stand for, everything they've studied, everything they understand as far mm-hmm. as research. I mean, is there any other catalysts around why they just, you know, it's like the monkey see monkey do thing. You know, it's insane. I think it's partly because the U S is kind of a young country compared mm-hmm. to other countries. And we're not very confident in each of us individually in our status within the society. We're all gotcha. afraid of falling through the cracks. If our businesses go South or whatever. Right. So I think because it's a younger society compared to places like Japan or France, I mean, just take your pick, UK, 
Mm -hmm. They're much more confident over there talking about this because they don't feel like it's going to totally upset the apple cart to admit that these things exist. But I think for many of us in the U.S., we really work very hard to achieve the position we have within the society. Sure. And you don't want to bite the hand that feeds. So if you work for a company, I grew up in an area where IBM was the major employer in Westchester, New York. Believe in UFOs? Felt that chill up your spine that you just can't explain? Contemplate the other side of reality? Do you shake your head at the world that seems to have lost its common sense? Well, look no further than Strange Uncles. Find them on all podcast platforms and call their hotline to tell your side of reality at 801-252-6945. Open the gates. So I'm familiar with this sort of corporate white collar culture and, and sociologists studied this. There was C. Wright Mills and other sociologists that wrote about, uh, I think it was white who wrote a book called the organization man. Mm-hmm. Th- this is something that sociologists are familiar with that. There's a culture of conformity built around this corporate mentality, which has been a big engine of economic prosperity. There is no doubt about it. It's it it, it it was absolutely huge after World War II. The amount oh, of economic off. prosperity, yeah. yeah. Just, uh, I mean, we had the ability to completely rebuild Europe and Japan mm-hmm. after World War II. So this isn't something to make fun of, but there's a cost to that, and the, I think the cost was a type of conformity, just fit in. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, I remember going to my dad's office. He was an economist. He worked for this nonprofit called the Conference Board in Manhattan. And they had kids day once a year. And I remember as like a 10 year old going in there and he introduced me to the other guys in the office. And one of these guys had something he called his strange files. Oh, Interesting. He said, come here. I want to show you something. These are my strange <laughs> files. This could have been my introduction to these subjects. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. And he had all these folders of weird, unexplainable things. I still remember the Texas blob. He took out these articles about the Texas blob. Yeah. And and there were other folders in there. I can remember this. He somehow felt safe showing this to me. I doubt he showed this to anyone else yeah, yeah. in the office. I'm sure there was a UFO folder in there. And this is, I remember, so maybe this is something else that made an impact on me is going into dad's office and seeing the Texas blob and kind of wondering what was that? I don't know what the explanation ever was for that fungus or whatever it turned out to be. But Mm -hmm. uh, it did show me that maybe, even as a 10-year-old, maybe there are things that adults have experienced that they're not talking about, but they're going to show a 10-year-old. Right. Right. So I think it has something to do with this culture of conformity, having grown up in in lower New York, where there were a lot of organization men, people who took the train in every day, like my dad for 20 years. Yep. And that's traditional work, right? That's traditional. This is what we're supposed to do. This is, you know, yeah, yeah. You had company parties uh, once a year up, up in Upper Westchester at some nice park. And, you know... I think they're growing up in that neighborhood in Westchester near White Plains. I think I just remember this feeling 
it even bothered me as a teenager. It was a culture of conformity and it was kind of shallow. And we would yeah. make fun of it as teenagers. And I know Getty Lee of Rush oh, uh, cool. was motivated by this too. Remember he said, the way you gauge yourself as an adult is you never go against the values you had as an 18-year-old. Interesting. I didn't hear. I didn't know he said pretty that. That's, that's pretty astute. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. So we always yeah. would make fun of people that we thought had sold out right. as teenagers, right? And 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 uh, I tell you what else led into it. I was not far from Madison Square Garden. We could take the train in once I was old enough to go see concerts. Mm-hmm. In the 70s, all the good rock groups were going through Madison Square Garden and would play a couple of nights. Right, right. So I was exposed to rock and roll culture growing up in the lower New York area. And those values of whatever those bands are singing about, whether it's Rush or Led Zeppelin and other groups that I got to see, uh, it sort of sinks into you that there's another description of reality. You don't just have to play the game. I think that helped me be a bit of a rebel once I got through graduate school. Just don't, those guys were saying, don't sell out. Be who you want to be. That's mm-hmm. the message I got from rock and roll. Yeah. And it stuck with me. So I think when I came across these topics, any of these topics, UFOs and cryptids and Bigfoot, mm-hmm. and it even took me a while to accept the reality of some of this. And people are telling me their stories. People from your area, Salt Lake, uh, stall or other places. I grow even here in Boulder teaching the remote viewing classes, I had people in my class in confidence tell me about their Bigfoot encounters just a couple of miles from my apartment here up the road in the foothills. Yeah. And it was gradual over many years. And people told me things that were hard for my brain to process. Like they had a telepathic encounter with the Bigfoot. They saw it in their mind's eye, but their Mm -hmm. housemate downstairs physically saw it. It had like projected. Now, I should be open to these things as a remote viewing teacher. And I was, but I couldn't make sense of it until recently about what might really be going on. All I knew was that there were a lot more experiences than we hear about publicly. And I think it just, it just grows on you over the years. These are people, you know, really well, some Mm -hmm. of them are friends Mm -hmm. and they're telling you things that are really hard to accept, but you know, they're telling the truth. It creates a tension. Well, after oh, decades, yeah, yeah, eventually yeah. you realize they're telling you the truth. It's society that's living in the fantasy land. So it's so, like that movie Pleasantville. Everything is black and white until it turns color. <laughs> right. Guys, right, that's yeah. my view of it. I think yeah. it's a type of cultural lag. One more. Con- I'll shut up in a second. Uh, no, I studied awesome. this in sociology, the idea of cultural lag, that society is always catching up to reality. Uh, uh Ogburn was an American sociologist. He called, talked about cultural lag, mainly from technology. The technology changes faster than society. We're always kind of catching up. Yeah. Right. Uh, I think it has to do with science, too. And I think there's a cultural lag. And I think I think these subjects are going to blow this whole thing open in a way that no one has ever experienced in a long, long time. There are too many credible witnesses. Every mm-hmm. week I'm talking mm-hmm. to more people. I'm not seeing society dealing with this as an adult level topic i know congress we're told they're going to have ufo hearings in april i know Uh, and you can have those hearings for a couple of years based on the number of people i talk to i mean this is serious we're talking about people who know things 
who don't want to come forward because mm-hmm. they feel they're going to violate some national security oath they signed. And there's a lot of those folks out there. You know what I'm talking about. I run into them more yeah. than you would think who say, I'd love to tell you more, but I can't because I signed something with the federal government. So excuse my friends, but I'm really wondering what the fuck is going on here with all these people right, telling right. me they know what I'm saying is true, but they can't talk about it in public after I give a lecture. Right. I mean, seriously, you know where I'm coming from on this, you know, you know where this is going. Yeah, that is, I think that is super wild. Cause it's like, I mean, is it classified? I understand you've got an NDA, all that kind of stuff, but right. like, Come on, man. No one's going to know. Just tell me. <laughs> like, they are still doors. Crazy. Oh, they're afraid. I was told just two weeks ago in New Jersey when I gave a lecture to a Rotary Club in, in New Jersey, happened to me go back there to visit my mom. And someone said, can you give us a talk at a Rotary Club? Mm-hmm. And someone there told me afterwards he could he wanted me to forget the conversation that we had just had once everyone left the room he said they could sue me into oblivion the u.s government he said even if i went over to russia right now they would find a way to destroy russia to get to me that's how serious this is these people have seen probably most likely in my view real ufo wreckage material Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i know it could be shocking to some people maybe not you guys and maybe not your audience we're talking about real pieces of something from out there right. that's here that they and, shot and, and, whatever they right whatever it is and these people have been asked to reverse engineer it. Mm-hmm. I've talked to three of these people. One of them is in my book Black Swan Ghosts, uh, a local uh, person I know who worked at JPL and an aeronautics company, which he never named. Same thing. Mm. How does this work? They come to these groups and these guys look at each other and say, "This is not from here. It's not made of materials that we even know how to manufacture." The isotopes aren't even found on Earth, for God's sake. So what happens? This is a question that anybody, whether they believe me or not, could entertain. What happens when people like this come forward? And there are a lot of them who've signed these NDAs, as you point out, Stahl. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What happens when they all come forward all at once? I just think it's like a Copernicus moment where we find out that the Earth is not the center of the universe. And we're actually rotating around the sun. And the whole thing is different than you yeah. were taught by Aristotle. So okay? it's not, it doesn't work. That so so yeah. I've, I've, so I got a question and, and number one, you answered one of them and, and number two, kind of fucking amazing. I mean, yeah, I think you hit it on the head. I mean, from your time, you started this in 96 remote viewing and all these other fringe sciences that you brought into it. I mean, obviously you've seen a move more towards, you know, and, and let's be honest, there's some scientists out there that really are making an effort to go, no, it might be this like Avi Loeb, for example. Very good, you know, he's the one talking about, you know, mommy and what was flying through the space. And now he's talking about meteorites and ocean he wants to explore. And, be, you know, there are a handful, not a lot. Do you see, do, is there like in your experience a timeline, is it moving faster now in this last two, three years than it has been? Or are we still just kind of, man, we've got another decade, you know, to get this, to get everybody on board or 20 years or what, what, what's your, what's right. your thoughts on that? Yes. No, I, I think your timeline is, is correct, Shane. Mm-hmm. We're talking a 10 or 20-year time frame. Uh, okay. It started, it seemed it started to move after that New York Times article in 2017 uh, with uh, Leslie Keene and uh, was it Ralph Blumenthal. Yeah, I think so. The third woman mm-hmm. who contributed to that article. It seemed like there was movement. 
uh, they there. said there's something called OSAP and then an mm-hmm. ATIP and they mentioned right, Luis right. Elizondo and Chris Mellon. And we seem to have some movement, but it seems to have someone has seemed to put the brakes on this. Uh, I was going to. Okay. Yeah. They're they're using all these acronyms. They're calling it Arrow now, the organization, all domain anomalies resolution office. Like we're going to resolve all these little all domain anomalies. All domain yeah. means it's from space to atmosphere to the sea. Right. It's doing things that our craft do, are not designed to do. We don't have submarines flying in the air. Yeah, yeah. So these things just, yeah, these transmedium objects. And we've had the To the Stars Academy, mm-hmm. and those people gave a press conference, and we've had classified hearings. One, they had one hearing last May, yep, which everyone felt was extremely disappointing because they kept saying, well, we'll cover that in the classified briefings in this afternoon. I want to hear it now. When <laughs> someone says, are they under the ocean? Why don't you just give a yes or no response? Are they in hard. the ocean or not? Yeah, I know yeah. they're in the ocean. You you know people who've been in the Navy. Right, they're yeah. in the ocean. I was in the Navy. They're all yeah. So no. you're there. So you I, I, I'll tell you what, man. I've I seen shit in the middle of the night at one, two o'clock in the morning that you because when you're on the ship and and you know I've told this before on the podcast, but it's so dark ahead, out there that literally you can see yeah. a cigarette butt from three miles away. Like it's that dark. I have yes, seen yes. shit that I cannot explain. I would ask like chiefs that spent fifteen years plus in the navy. Man, I just saw it dead, and they had no answer for it. But it's the same thing. It's like just for some reason it goes around people, and I never understood how you can't just constantly think about that. What get, what it can be? What is it? You know, from that point. So kind of the same thing, you know, and, and that's very interesting. So my last question, then I, I want to start getting into some of the weirdness. No, no, on, these are good. On, oh, I, ho- I hope so. No, it's it's amazing. I love it's it how, you know, we've got, we, we're talking about the culture mixed in with just the weird shit. I mean, I think the two go hand in hand. And this is something that, you know, I've asked a couple, or we've asked a couple guests. Um, quantum theory. You see it, it's out there. Do you think that has any relation, maybe not now, but maybe in, you know, again, 10 decade, you know, decade or so away, that that will explain a lot of what we're seeing, a lot of these fringe anomalies that the mainstream don't necessarily want to touch? I think quantum mechanics has something to do with it, but I think it's deeper than quantum mechanics, believe it or not. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah, quantum mechanics is kind of a conservative theory. It says that everything has to obey this Schrodinger wave function. Mm-hmm. And believe me, I, I guys, I've studied this a lot in the past couple of years. It's rather conservative what it says is possible. It just says that everything is entangled in a way that it's described by the Schrodinger wave function. And even if you separate the particles, they still have this correlation. Right. Weird That's spooky sort of motion, th- all that. You know. Yeah. 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 This and and that that there's a par- a wave nature to reality that is challenging to understand from our day-to-day experience. But I think there's a level deeper than this. I didn't, I don't think you need quantum mechanics to understand this. It goes back to Nikola Tesla. Oh, if you look at all of that research from Tesla on up and it was before Tesla, but unfortunately from world war one, excuse me, I'm silencing this. Unfortunately from world war one, it killed a lot of the scientists in the UK that were studying the same phenomena that we call condensed matter physics, mm-hmm. coherent matter. This is where I think it really comes from. There's other types of matter in the universe that we call dark matter. Right. And this predates quantum mechanics. The best, 
the best estimates that anybody has of how the universe works is that there's something called dark matter out there, which outnumbers visible matter by 10 to 1. Right. Yeah. Right. And if you add in what's called dark energy, the some force pushing the galaxies apart and the visible matter that's invisible. Hello. Things that are made of matter, but are invisible. You're only left with about a half a percent of matter that's visible. Half a percent. 99.5% is everything else. Uh, invisible. Yeah. Right. So all of the research for the last two years, I've been really looking into is dark matter here on earth. And all of mm. the evidence that I can read says some aspects of it that we know, even though it's hard to identify it's here. It, it, it streams in from the outer reaches of the cosmos. It gets lensed and fluxed around objects like planets gravitationally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that there's this neutrino flux that's around all of us, all living things. It streams down relic neutrinos, cosmic background neutrinos. These can be condensed into another type of matter called coherent matter, which becomes a macroscopic quantum object. So those quantum principles can actually apply at the macroscopic scale that you and I perceive reality through dark matter. So dark matter is the conduit that creates so many freaking strange effects. I've yeah. just been reading about tornadoes, all the inexplicable effects around tornadoes. Some scientists say it's actually a dark matter pump. It's not just like a vacuum cleaner. Hmm. There's matter condensing into clusters and ch- and uh, charging clusters, yeah. what some people call exotic vacuum objects. It's another, all I'm going to say, is it's, it's another state of matter past plasmas. It's self-organized plasmas, which are, Plasmas being, you know, aurora borealis mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. The, the most abundant type of matter in the universe. We fluorescent bulbs are a type of plasma. And there's, you know, all sorts of glowing nebulas out there made of plasma and so forth. Wow. But that plasma, when it's organized, becomes quantum coherent. Now, why the U.S. is so far behind in this is another big mystery. Thank the you. Soviets were studying this since World War II. Yeah. And the best research comes out of the Russia, even though because their society is so disorganized and messed up for other reasons, mm-hmm. mainly due to corruption, that science has never really seen the light of day. Maybe fortunately for us, because it would it could be weaponized. But yeah, right. <laughs> this type of organized current matter from dark matter, I, I've just seen enough evidence to show me this is what's going on. And there's all these all of these what we call paranormal phenomena. And you don't have to agree with me on this, but my understanding of it now is it's some type of dark matter manifestation. You can't visually see it. Mm-hmm. It's not directly electromagnetic, but it can do the most astounding things. We're talking orbs, ball lightning, all these weird luminous phenomena that have an invisible mode, what they call stealth plasma. That's what the CIA called it, stealth plasma. You heard John Ramirez, who has been on these podcasts, who uh, was a a signals missile analyst at CIA, Mazint, as it's called. He called it stealth plasmas. He said that Hmm. these UFOs have a stealth plasma uh, mode where they shift from being a physical object into a more of an energetic object that has an, uh, an invisible mode, too. And he said they could detect these from the keyhole satellites. Uh, really? He talked about this, John mm. Greenwald, extensively. He said they could see them coming in on the keyhole satellites 
in the infrared range, and then they would go invisible and still be around us. The, the implications of this are freaking mind-boggling. Why don't they get John Ramirez up there in these classified hearings or open hearings? Because we're talking about some serious stuff going on here, which it, our own intelligence insane. agencies know about it. Why they don't want to share it with the rest of us, and they just have people like John Ramirez, once they're retired, talk about it. Your well, guess is as good as mine, but you asked yeah. the question about 15 minutes ago, when is it going to come forward? Mm-hmm. All I can mm-hmm. say, guys, is this is going to be really fun for the next 10 or 20 years. If you think it, life has been really difficult so far and these topics, people like you and me, we love this topic. And where's the discussion? Yeah, it's yeah, going yeah. to open up and we're going to have 10 or 20 years of really good times listening to witnesses, just like John Ramirez. I want to see those people under oath in front of Congress Talking about this and people I've met who haven't want to come forward because they signed an NDA. I want them explaining to Congress why they thought these were extraterrestrial materials the way they described it to me. Okay, I don't know why they're telling me. I'm just, you know, because I have to tell somebody. I mean, otherwise, you know, you got to vent. It's kind of like, you know, (laughs) even when you come home and bitch about work to your wife. Yeah, yeah. I I hear you guys are right. But but this. This should be pup. We should be hearing about this every day on the hundred percent agree. What sort of universe do we live in? Who Mm -hmm. is here with us? Because it's not just ETs. There's Mm -hmm. indigenous life forms to the planet that we call cryptids, which are much more evolved than we are in some ways. They can do stuff that you and I can't do, or at least I don't know how to do it. And then they can attain tremendous speeds when they move. They seem to be able to float and, and do things become invisible, transparent, scare the heck out of folks, and sometimes really be quite hostile. Yeah. And I think we should have a sense of who's out there, too. And we don't have anyone in the National Park Service, National Forest Service, or law enforcement telling witnesses the truth. They're always told you saw a bear. No matter Which what it was, so frustrating. you're so traumatized yeah. by your encounter. And it mm-hmm. was a bear. Oh, it was a pack of wild dogs. Yeah. Dogs on two legs. I yeah. haven't seen too many packs of dogs on two legs. <laughs> you and I, we know what's going on here because yeah. I've talked to these people and guys, it took me the longest time to believe that this was true. I could accept UFOs long before I could accept dogmen. But when you oh, hear those there. witnesses yeah. and the terror, the fear, when they tell you about what they saw. Thank you. I mean, you know, they're telling you I, the I, truth. I mean, that's really when we talk about these, we talk about, you know, experiencers, for example. I have talked to people and I interview, if they are making a story up, then holy shit, give them that Academy Award because it, right, it's right, insane right. when you're looking at them in the eyes and they're telling that story. And and I've said, look, my, the, our two loves is outdoors and, and weird shit because they go hand in hand. They really do. I mean, and, and that, so totally. why, why there isn't something, or maybe there is a, a, you know, an organization behind the National Park Service or something to look into these things, you know, the missing 411, very good example. You know, the, 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 yeah. the, the where are all that, those people going? Where are they going? You know? Yeah. It, They're it's disappearing. It's oh man. I would think we'd be talking about it. And yeah, no, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. I, I like to say if I'm wrong about, about this, I'm wrong in a big way <laughs> because yeah. I'm ha- I would love to be proved wrong about some of this. I would like to someone to show me that these witnesses were actors. Yeah. Because I, some of them are friends, and and not saying and I, that there maybe yeah. is some of that somewhere to disprove whatever have you. People keep saying that you know Bob Lazar is is a plant, um, 
And, you know, he never saw what he right. really saw. But, but again, you know, to, really? It, are you sure about that? Or oh, This is my monster. Look at the puppy. Yeah. <laughs> Not it, on two legs. So, anyway. <laughs> Sorry. Um, you wanted to say hi. No, it, it's amazing. It actually, I, I totally agree. With, I don't. But even if some of them are, there's too, way too many. Uh, it, it would take mm-hmm. so many. You know what we call that in science? The file drawer effect. What the file drawer effect is, and Dean Radin did a good job of talking about this in his books about PK, uh, telepathy, and remote viewing, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is that if these results are to be disproved, let's say test uh, SRI's experiments with remote viewers, uh, Ingo Swan, Pat Price, people, other people who've worked with them. If you think, look, maybe there's, 10 studies that disprove this for every one that says it's real. Dean Radin has shown you would need to have done thousands of other remote viewing studies, which came to negative results. And we would all agree that's reasonable. If, if I have one really good study with 200, uh, let's say 200 remote viewing sessions. And we say, look, this is just statistically significant. The people are getting the colors and the shapes much more than you would expect. Mm-hmm. If this wasn't a real effect, he what Raiden has pointed out is you would have to have like based on that statistical significance, like 5000 other studies with negative results. And then all reasonable people say, you know what, maybe they just that time they just lucked out. You can you could get 200 heads in a, in a row. It doesn't happen very often. But right, right, if right, you right. had a million other studies, but you know what, I really doubt you have this file drawer effect. There would have to be so many other examples where it really turned out to be a bear or a pack of dogs. I mean, you'd have to have like a million cases at this point where that happened. And most people are pretty good at telling a bear from other animals. I mean, it's not easy to confuse a bear with other things. If you've been out in the woods, you've seen them. They really don't look like anything else out there with that big snap. They look like a big version of your dog. Yeah, and you talk about you can't oh, confuse that with something on two legs. Come on, Simeon. It it was a hot. It was a weather balloon. I mean, we all know, right? Uh, yeah, so, weather you know. balloon. Right, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. No, that, exactly. You say it's a weather balloon. You say it's ice crystals mm-hmm. and it's misidentifications mm-hmm. of Venus. It's just those explanations. I think we'd all agree. Maybe some percent of the time some, it is. There's a lot of yeah, misidentifications, yeah. right? But the other twenty percent of the cases, even this most recent report to the Pentagon. From the predecessor to Arrow, whatever that name of that organization was, last year, they said they couldn't explain the vast majority. Was it 146 out of 147 UAP cases? And they're just looking at the tip of the iceberg in the most recent years. They're not going back to Roswell. All right. Yeah. Wow. It's really all I, I mean, I don't have a lot, you know, like I said, talking to him, I think I'm going to listen back. This might be one of those episodes and I'm going to try to gather what he said. Um, holy shit, dude. He threw a lot out there, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I mean, like a lot of it makes a lot of sense to me, you know, um, I'm not mm-hmm. sure where we're going to edit this into two parts. So I don't want to do spoilers or anything for part two, but, uh, <laughs> right. Right. Uh, a lot of it resonates with me and just how, like we've talked about on the show before, how uh, a lot of different aspects of paranormal phenomenon are probably interrelated. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of commonality between hauntings and UFO sightings. And there's, you know, like a, a, uh, 
John Keel mentions a lot about how uh, Bigfoot sightings are usually accomp- accompanied by UFO sightings and vice versa, you know? Right. Uh, right. So it's, it's, it seems like it might all just be um, different aspects of the same thing. And it's refreshing to have somebody else say that instead of like trying to like silo everything off into its own neat little, little corner, you know? Right. Agreed. Agreed. And, and I'll, I'll be honest with you. So I've been on the fence with that theory for a long time, you know, cause to me, you know, again, like he said, you know, look, it, he couldn't wrap my, his mind around this and that and this, and then finally things kind of stick. And, and I think this interview with uh, Simeon, I think things stuck for me because that, that really makes the most sense if you look at it. Uh, and I, I, the one takeaway, and I, and I'll say this again, not giving away spoilers, but the we always talk about oh, you know, quantum theory, quantum entanglement. Can that be something? Do we not know enough as a as mankind? We're still, you know, researching. Science is still evolving itself. What does that look like? And then he threw a completely a wrench in the gear, saying, "Oh, wait a minute, quantum theory is like the beginners. That's beginners here. There's so much." Yeah, he more. called it conservative. <laughs> yeah, which is like holy shit. And, and it, just the science talk basis around what this is, I, I, I just, I got fuzzies when he was talking. I mean, yeah, it, it's well, phenomenal, you know? And like when he was talking about organizational men or like company men and like uh, the way our society is kind of conform- conformist, conformative? Con- sure. Sure. Um, like that resonated with me a lot, especially when he mentioned the Cold War and, and how like when we were on a Cold War footing, uh, a big part of the Cold War propaganda was preaching like conform, be a part of the, you know, be a patriot, be a good right, American, be, right. you know, mm-hmm. do your, do your duty and like, uh, and don't question things. And also, you know, if you think back about it, we both grew up during the latter part of the Cold War. Right. Uh, it would have been a national security crisis for them to admit they didn't know something about a potential threat. Absolutely. Know? Uh, them being the government. So to me, it makes a lot of sense that, that, that that's kind of been become ingrained in society and, and culture at large, you know, Absolutely. just the, yeah. the like not wanting to upset the apple cart or admit that we don't know something, you know, it's, it makes sense to me that it's it, part of our, our it, it does. It do. And, you know, and, and honestly just kind of not split hairs, but even, you know, in the Navy days when I was, you know, in other countries, you know, especially Japan, they hold on to their folklore a lot differently. They hold on to the encounters, things that they say, like it's a completely different environment. And he was talking about other countries and how the, and he's right. I mean, he really is right. I mean, for some reason, you know, we're young, we're, we're dumb in a lot of ways. We have this weird instinct that was built into us because of the cold war, because of this, because of that, because what's norm and what's not norm, you know, and, and it, it, we have societal platforms, look at all these, fucking Facebook and everything else, you know, and, and, and kids just feel they have to be part of something somewhere, you know, it's all clicks. And for some reason, man, United States has done a great way adopting that. And we haven't, we don't know how to move out of it and we're stuck, you know? Yeah. So a lot, a lot to be said about that for sure. Um, yeah, but but just say, anyway, you know, hands down, uh, fantastic interview. Again, we're not sure whether we're going to split it or not. We may, we may not. If we do, then stand by for more. But uh, you can find him, and I just want to go ahead and, and promote him as much as possible. Uh, I'm actually going to go on his website and get uh, his latest book. Uh, but you can find mountbaldy.com. And then also, and I jotted it down. Give me a second. You also find him at, as I, as I pause here. Sorry, everybody. Um, I lost it now. 
I got to find it again. <laughs> where it's at. Sorry. Anyway, yeah, uh, Josh, if you want to cover social, let me let me dig up my notes here. Real quick. Uh, Sorry. Yeah, um, you can find us at Strange Uncles Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. We are at Strange Uncles on Twitter. Uh, the YouTube channel is there. It's occasionally updated. Um, occasionally. <laughs> Yeah, you can email us whatever you want, you know, uh, at strangeuncles at gmail.com. You know, we like to hear your stories or tell us if we're doing a shit job, you know, whatever. <laughs> you can either, either way, you know, it's fine. Yeah, yeah feed, we, we pay feedback is it. welcome. I, I kind of, you know, we feedback, tend to respond your strange to the, stories, you know. <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, I, I tend to try to respond to the emails, you know, when they come in just because, you know, it's, it's a thing. So, And we've had, had a couple that had some really good recommendations. Uh, there was one listener that recommended a, a podcast that um, I thoroughly enjoy. So, you know, much appreciated. We get stuff like that all the time. Um, and, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, so what I'm looking for here, sorry, everybody, a newcrystalmind.com, newcrystalmind.com. Um, I think that's his latest and greatest blog. Uh, I'm personally going to go on there and order a book. And then, of course, he has YouTube channels. You can just type in his name. Uh, his name is uh, Simeon Hines. Again, that is uh, Dr. S-I-M-E-O-N-H-E-I-N, um, and find YouTube channel. Sounds like he has a lot of good stuff there. I personally am going to kind of dive down his rabbit hole a bit because I I feel we just kind of scratched the surface of everything that he's involved in and everything that he has to research with. Um Man, looking at his list, it, it's pretty amazing. So yeah, 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 definitely, definitely more to come for there. But uh, enjoyed having him on; it was fantastic. Uh, appreciate you hitting the socials again. Yeah, write us, let us know, strangeuncles at gmail dot com. Let us know where we're uh, doing good, where we're fucking up at. We'll take either or because we're needy and we just want to talk to someone. Yeah, or you can leave us at a, a voicemail and phone number. I can never remember. <laughs> Uh, 801-252-6945. <laughs> yeah, you can call us on that one too and let us know. Um, anyway, let us know the feedback. We've got some guests lined up. We have some other things lined up. Uh, stand by, regular listeners for more SU oddities. Same thing with the new ones for Patreon. Um, think we're in a good place there. They're just short little, short little jibs that we put together that's just interesting shit that we find, you know. So they're, they're fun to do for sure. Um, I don't know. I think that's all I've got aside from that. Fantastic interview. I appreciate you. I'm glad you're upright, man, on your side. It's been a week or so since I talked to you. Uh, and we can we can kind of go from there. So, yeah. Awesome. Close them gates. Close the gates.